0: everyone, and welcome to the New Way to Live podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Lindsay Moore, and I'm super happy that you're joining me today, tonight, whenever you're listening. So today, I want to talk to you about love. L-O-V-E. In the English language, we use love like it's literally going out of style. We use it to describe... So many feelings and thoughts about someone or something because we have one word to describe our feelings towards mashed potatoes or sweet potatoes as we do the one that we marry. One word to describe our deep enjoyment of hiking as we do, do the deep affection for our children. We love hot wings. We love warm weather. We love cooking. We love our families. We love our friends. And we use that same word to describe our love of God and his love towards us. If you've had any sort of lasting interaction with me, I probably told you that I loved you. And I totally meant it. I do tell a lot of people that I love them, and I genuinely mean it. But my point in talking about the use of this word love is that I wonder if we have a full understanding of true love. Like, have we grown dull to the magnitude of the word because we apply it to so many things, because we use it so liberally? And do we fully understand the magnitude of the love that God has for us? And so, over the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking about God's love. I felt like the Lord has been really impressing on me the importance of understanding His love and what it truly means, and that it's personal. And I know I shared this with you in a previous episode, but I want to share it again because. I want you to consider your view of God. So, the story is that I was sitting in church and our pastor asked a question. Basically, the question was like, How do you believe that God feels towards you? And I remember the moment, not really the details of the moment, I do remember where I was sitting, but I remember this moment. And it stands out so clearly to me because it was a moment of truth. Our pastor had asked this question or something really similar. And, you know, at this time, I was a couple of years into a committed relationship with the Lord. And I was learning quickly, but I still had so much to learn. But the very first word that popped into my head was indifferent. Indifferent. The word shocked me. And I also realized that somewhere in my head... That I believe that God didn't care one way or the another, one way or another, excuse me, about the details of my life. And so I told you that this was a moment of truth because this is where God revealed to me through the Holy Spirit that I was believing in untruth about God because indifferent couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, God loves me personally and he knows me personally all the things, and yet he still loves me. And today, I want to talk about that love with you. So I want to start in John 3.16, which is a well-known verse about God's love for us. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I feel really out of breath right now. Sorry, you guys. Just give me a second here don't really know why I'm out of breath. I think I didn't breathe for like a good minute there. Anyway, so I think that there are many people, and I used to be one who might understand that God loves them, but think about it more in like general terms, like, yeah, God loves me. He loves everyone. Um, But especially as you read the term the world, you might think that this is a general love for all people. So I want to dive into this verse just a little bit. So the Greek word for love here means to wish well, to take pleasure in, to long for. These, wor- these words tell me that the way God loves us is much deeper than my own love of crunchy Cheetos. The Greek word for the world is really referring to the inhabitants of the world. God isn't talking about the physical place, the third rock from the sun. He's talking about us the human race, we, you, and I are inhabitants of this world, and God loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus, to save us from a life of eternal hell, to bring us to Him, and give us the promise of eternal life with Him in heaven. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever, you are the whosoever whosoever means all everyone there's no exception all means all all everyone who believes in Jesus would not perish but have eternal life and this was promised to you even while you were still in sin god loved you so much that he made a way through Jesus for you to be saved and not die to be in right relationship with him and he did this because he wants well for you because he takes pleasure in you because he longs for you he wants to he wants you to live with him in heaven for eternity I mean, there are plenty of people that I would not want to live with for eternity. And I'm sure there are plenty who would not want to live with me for eternity. But God wants us all to live with him for eternity. He desired it so deeply deeply that he gave Jesus up for us, for each of us. When I was studying for this message, I focused on two other Psalms. Two Psalms, not other Psalms. I looked at John 3.16, I looked at Psalm 139, and then I looked at Psalm 103. I want to talk about Psalm 139, 1 through 18 first. So I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to break it out and talk about it verse by verse. So Psalm 139, 1 through 18, if you have your Bible, open it up and follow along. I'm reading from, I think I'm reading from the NIV. I'm sure I am. How precious to me are your thoughts, God? How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. So, when I think about these verses just in general, they remind me that God isn't far off, but He knows each one of us personally better than we know ourselves. I want to go through these verses and just break them down a bit further to create a better understanding of how personal. God's love for us is and how personal God is. So starting in verses 2 through 3, we see that he knows each thought. He always knows what you're doing and nothing you do is a surprise to him because he's familiar with all of your ways. And then in verse 4, we see that he knows each word before we've even spoken it. And then these verses aren't followed up with saying, you know, like, He knows you and he knows your thoughts and your ways and the words that you speak. And he's so disappointed in you and he retracts his love from you. That's not what it says. In verse 5, we're told that God goes before you and follows you. I love that hems you in language. In Hebrew, that phrase hem means to secure or to shut in. And this speaks to the security and protection we experience as a result of being in relationship with Christ. When we're shut in, Nothing can touch us. His hand of blessing is on us. You know, like I think about, excuse me, being, I don't know, shut into a room or locked into a room or, you know, I'm thinking of that, that refuge language from, from Psalm 91, that he's a refuge, that strong tower, you know, it's a fortified tower. Nothing can get in once the gates are up and the guards are up. Nothing can get in to touch you on the inside. That's what that reminds me of. In verse 6, we see that the knowledge, not only do we see this, but this is like what we personally experience, the knowledge of how God does all these things mentioned here is just, it's really too wonderful. Like we can't possibly understand or comprehend the how or the why fully. Like when I think about how much God loves me, I frequently end up at the point of also not understanding how deep and wide and high his love is for me. It's just It's too much for my mind to even comprehend. I can't even wrap my mind around that kind of love because we as humans don't have that kind of love to give. It's a God kind of love. Verses 7 through 12, we see that there's nowhere that we can go to hide from him, to hide from his presence. And no matter where we are, God is with us always. Verses 13 through 16, these ones are good ones. They're all good ones, but these are goodies. God personally created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb using his, his design for reproduction. You were knit together by God himself. You know, in Genesis 2 through 7, we see that God formed man from the dust. He personally breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils causing him to come alive during the seven days of creation he spoke everything to an existence but he took the time to form man himself and he had the perfect plan for ensuring that man could thrive he didn't create man prior to forming land he didn't make man tread water for three days before he brought land forth He provided for every need need before man was even formed. So a tremendous amount of care was put into the creation of mankind. And we see also in Psalm 139 that he made you fearfully and wonderfully. I always wondered what that really meant. The NLT says that he made you wonderfully complex. And isn't that the truth? You know, if you really, if you understand anatomy and physiology and like what's happening on a cellular level in your body, you understand how complex the body is and how, um, you know, so many things have to be in place for it to function correctly. Um, And so that's what that reminds me of, that we're wonderfully complex. God created us so wonderfully complex. And so when you understand that, I just feel like it expands your knowledge of that. That's where I'm going with that. Also, he watched as you were formed in the womb, always keeping a close a close eye on you, you know, watching you like a a father watches a child, like, or, you know, your parents watch a child. You're watching them, making sure they're okay, making sure they're doing well, making sure that they're thriving, watching them. But also, before you were formed, he laid every day out before you. Every day was ordained before you were even in it. In verse 17, I love this one. This one's a good one too. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. They outnumber the grains of sand. So God, the creator of the universe, of the world and everything in it, thinks about you personally. Not lumped in with all mankind, but you personally. He thinks about you so much that those thoughts can't even be numbered They're even more than the grains of sand. I don't need to explain that to you. Like how many grains of sand are there? Have you really thought about that? There's so many grains of sand. God thinks about you more than that. You are on God's heart and mind. The intimate details of your life matter to him. He's not indifferent towards you. That couldn't be further from the truth. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. Nowhere does this say he knows you inside and out and is repelled by you. And he retracts his love from you. He loves you. He loves you dearly. And that's what these verses tell us in Psalm 139. Next, I want to hop to Psalm 103. Again, if you have your Bible, pop that baby out. Also, if you're listening to this on podcast, you can look online. Okay, sorry. I'm in my spot. Okay, I'm going to read this one to you too, and then I'm going to go through it kind of in a similar way. Praise the Lord, my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles the lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed he makes known his ways to moses his deeds He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and in its in its place, and its place remembers it no more. but from everlasting to everlasting. The Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. So again, I want to break this down just a bit, verse by verse. So verse one. I don't really have anything to say on the love topic here, but I just want to say that David commands his soul to praise here. Sometimes we don't feel like praising. Maybe we're in a crappy mood, or we're not feeling well, or we're just in a tough season. We need to command our soul, just our mind, our will, and emotion to praise. Command our soul to praise. Say, get up, it's time to praise. Get involved, like get involved emotions, get involved, mind, get involved will. I command you to praise. Verses two through five, say so don't forget his benefits, basically. What benefits? The benefits you have because of God's great and personal love for you. This is what's available to you because of God's great love for you. So first, he forgives all your sins. All means all. There's no exception. He heals all of your diseases. All means all. There's no exception here. He redeems your life from the pit. And that's like any part of your life that's destructing. So if you're feeling in a pit in some part of your life, he redeems your life from that. He brings you out of it. And he crowns or surrounds you with his love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Doesn't this sound like perfect love to you? It sounds like perfect love to me. Verse 6. Excuse me. Hold on. I've got like a teaspoon of water up here that I'm I'm rationing cuz I didn't fill it before I came up here. <sighs> Verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Yeah. He does. That's love. Verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses to help Israel. So he loved um, his people so much that he made himself known to Moses. He, he has a special relationship with Moses, and it was for a purpose. It was to save Israel. In verse 8, the Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. The NLT says unfailing love, and the Holman Bible study or study Bible says faithful love. I think those are both good descriptors. But when I dove into this a little bit more, there were other words that expand on the word love. And those were loving devotion, goodness, kindness, and faithfulness. Also, it means that he shows us loving kindness through the redemption from your enemies and troubles. Preservation of life from death, the quickening of your spiritual life, redemption from sin, and in keeping covenants. So he shows us his loving kindness through those things. Verse 9, he lets things go, not holding a grudge. How many of us can say that we let everything go, even with those that we love most dearly? Verse 10, this is a goody too. He doesn't give us what we deserve according to our sins, And the wages of sin are death. So we know that. But instead, he promises us life eternal when we believe on Jesus Christ. In verse 11, we're told that his love is so great for those who fear him. And that word fear means like revere or honor. Verse 12, he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. So in case you're wondering, east and west never touch. He's removed your sins that far from you. Those sins don't occupy the same space as you anymore. Verse 13, God is a tender and compassionate father to those who revere him. 14 through 16, God knows the human condition, but verse 17, his love remains forever, from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear him. Again, that's revere and honor. His salvation extends to every generation your children and their children and those who are faithful to his covenants. And for us, you know, we're under a new covenant. The book of Psalm was written in the Old Testament, which was a time under the law. But we're under a new covenant cut in Jesus's blood. Our end of the covenant is to accept Jesus's sacrifice for us. And also, as I was thinking about this, you know, this is a new and better covenant. So the things that are promised in the Old Testament, they're still for us, but we have this better covenant. In Jesus, so I chose Psalm one thirty nine and one hundred three to talk about today, just because they both they paint this beautiful picture of how God loves us and how faithful His love is. That His love is unending; it's from everlasting to everlasting. But also, you know, as I was thinking about God's great and personal love for us, another example. That was impressed upon me was that we are shown God's great love for us through the promised Holy Spirit. So, in the book of John, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to us that his spirit would come and dwell within us. I mean, how much more personal can you get than coming to dwell within someone? The Holy Spirit lives in us because God loves us, He teaches us how to live, He sanctifies you, He brings you into deeper relationship with God. You know, in my own life, the Holy Spirit is evidence of God's deep and personal love for me. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He teaches us through him. And we're changed by the Holy Spirit as we allow him to work in us. The Holy Spirit is evidence of God's personal love for you. So you guys, this might seem like such a basic topic. You probably, like some of you might be like, oh, why are we talking about this? But also, I think that we overlook the magnitude of God's love for us. I want us to remember how much we're loved because, you know, people are going to come and go. They might let you down. They might not love you the best, but God's love for you is personal and faithful. It's unending. And if you're feeling unloved, I want you to remember that God, the God, God who created the mighty mountains, the oceans, who set the stars into place and also created the tiniest, daintiest flower, loves you personally. He knows exactly who you are, flaws and all and he still loves you and he still chose you. And we get to love him in return. How awesome is that? This week I want to encourage you just to take some time to meditate on these verses. And I don't mean like bust out your gongs and bowls or whatever else people are using to meditate or to even clear your mind, but instead to intentionally fill your mind with these verses that tell us about God's personal love for us because I want you to fully comprehend, to have a knowing, a heart understanding of how loved you are. Before we go, let's pray. Lord, you are good and wonderful and loving and kind. There is no end to your love. You love us faithfully. Our minds cannot even understand how much you love us or why, but we're grateful, Lord. Today, Father, I ask that you would work in each listening today to help us each understand how fully, to understand fully how much you love us and what all that means for us. Help us to begin to grasp your love for us and help us to rest in your love for us. We are so grateful to be loved by you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So I want to thank you for joining me today, and I hope you'll tune into the next episodes. Please follow this podcast and don't miss the upcoming episodes.